You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Westmark, and you are listening to the special monthly Sidelines Magazine episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 2nd, episode 3129. Sidelines is the magazine for horse people about horse people. Good morning, horse world. Thank you for tuning in this morning. The Sidelines Magazine episode comes to you the first Thursday of every month. This month's episode is brought to you by Cavalli Club by Coro. Cavalli Club is so cool. Cavalli Club is a quarterly subscription box that is seasonally curated to help you discover amazing products for you and your horse. I just love this. Now we get to have great boxes. Cavalli Club, which is the original equestrian lifestyle box, and Cavalli Club Junior, which is a box for junior and youth riders and their horses and ponies. What kid isn't going to just love that? Each quarterly box is thoughtfully curated to include seasonal necessities, new discoveries, product recommendations from our members, and special collaborations with equestrian artisans. You'll find a variety of items for you, your horse, your home, and more. I just love this, y'all. The idea behind Cavalli Club was to offer premium, innovative, and novel products that we never knew we needed and has evolved into an opportunity to shine a light on equestrian small businesses and female-led businesses that you may not have heard of otherwise. All products are tried and trusted by the team at Cavalli Club, so you know you have their seal of approval. To learn more about Cavalli Club, visit CavalliClub.com. And you can use the sidelines code sidelines10 for $10 off your first box. I hope everybody goes and does that. So it's sidelines10 for $10 off your first box. They share box teasers on their social media and on their e-newsletter. So follow them or sign up to learn more about exciting products and the brands featured in their latest boxes. Cavalli underscore club on Instagram and Cavalli club on Facebook. This spring, Cavalli Club partnered with Sarah Maslin Nur for the Cavalli Club Junior Box. Each box includes her latest book, The Flying Horse, and a custom pair of flying horse-themed socks by Dreamers and Schemers, among some other exciting products. And we're excited that Cavalli Club is um, doing this with Sarah Maslin Nur because she also happens to be on the cover of the March issue of Sidelines, and we talked to her today here on this podcast. Sarah Maslinder is an acclaimed New York Times journalist, a finalist for a 2016 Pulitzer Prize, and author of the successful memoir, Horse Crazy, the story of a woman and a world in love with an animal. She has recently launched a new series of horse children's books and has an incredible story of overcoming challenges to pursue her talent as a writer. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm excellent. I'm on the cover of Sidelines Magazine. How could it be anything other than amazing? So I loved the picture you sent me of going into a Dover tax store and seeing the magazine there. Mind-blowing experience. I mean, you never think as a normal human being, you're going to be a cover model. But thank you so much for putting my story in your magazine and my little face and my Palomino and my Cocker Spaniel on your cover. (laughs) I love it. And I loved the picture of you sitting with all the sidelines in Dover. That just made me happy. Which Dover was that? Dover Branchburg, my local Dover, because my horses are in White House, New Jersey, and I commute from New York City to see them. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is great. Well, 
I think you totally belong on the cover, um, just in case you are wondering. Of course you do. (laughs) You have an amazing story. So um, for everybody who doesn't know, Sarah is uh, a New York Times journalist. So you still work for the New York Times. She rides horses. She shows. She breeds horses. She sells horses. She um, wrote a memoir, I guess. Is it a memoir or just a really good book? Um, And then... (laughs) She also writes children's books. So you stay a little bit busy, huh? (laughs) Just a little bit. Um, You know, I think uh, the more you do in your life, the bigger your life gets. So people always ask me, how do you report from the New York Times? How do you write these children's books? How do you find time to be a hunter ring queen quite badly? And (laughs) it's because it builds on itself. You know, they're all feed each other and they all feed my soul. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. And you just went to, um, where'd you go? St. Moritz? Oh my goodness. I went to St. Moritz to watch the ice polo world cup that's in the Alps and the horses play on a frozen lake and they have these sort of cleats in and they play just as if they're on turf. It's incredible. The horses are amazing. So they don't slip and slide. I mean, they a little lose their footing, but not any more than a regular polo game where they're making those crazy turns. I mean, the horses yeah. figure it out in minutes. It's really amazing. Yeah. And so while you're over there, because this is your whole life that fascinates me, is that wherever you go, you run into somebody that knows somebody that you know or something like mm-hmm. that. So well, I'll tell you the story. So the first book is called Horse Crazy. That right. came out in uh, 2001. And that's, I call it the story of a woman and a world in love with an animal. So everywhere I've gone around the world for the New York Times, when I'm done, I would put my notebook away and go find the horses. And that brought me to the horse people, the horse crazies like me. So that right. became that book. And it does seem wherever I go, wherever you go, we find our herd. So I posted on Instagram, here I am in St. Moritz, you know, millions of miles from home, looking at adorable horses running around the ice and a breeder found me and said, you know, the father of your Palomino now lives in St. Moritz. This is a Belgian horse that now lives in the Alps. <laughs> and I guess <laughs> I don't know, he, he skis or something. And so I went to go find the father of my new Palomino. And there he was among the mountains. <laughs> that is so crazy. But that kind of stuff happens to you all the time. So my job is to be a professional busybody. As a reporter for the New York Times, I ask people their business and I I get inside their lives. And I think when you make connections like that, it spreads a a web across the world. And, you know, horse people are really quite a lot alike. In Horse Crazy, I say we speak an Esperanto of equines, right? A universal language uh, between horsemen and horsewomen. And that resonates. That's true. But you know what? I need to. So uh, this is a side note, but my husband, Jerry, he gets crazed with me because I ask so many questions and I always tell him it's because I'm a writer and that's what we do. We ask questions and he's like, what do you ask? I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, <laughs> he's like, stop <laughs> anyway. Oh, there, no, so you you got to learn about the world and, and endlessly educating yourself about horses adds such a richness to the experience. Like I was a better rider when I was a gutsy kid, but I'm a better horse person now that I know so much more. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think you're still a really good rider. So let's (laughs) give you credit there. Um, Okay. Okay. I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now, um, you, uh, 
you know, you're an acclaimed author, you're on the cover of sidelines, um, but you mm-hmm. reveal in your story, especially the one we have, um, well, I guess in your book and in sidelines that you struggled with reading in school. So mm-hmm. you've overcome that. And how can you, um, get what was the experience like and what helped you overcome those challenges and what and people who might have discouraged you from pursuing journalism? I'm sure they did. What did they say? And what happened? In oh, that yeah. You know, it was a different era growing up where we didn't really have compassion and understanding for different educational styles. And so I was right. told I was lazy and slow. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm not. I think I'm trying hard, but maybe you're right. You know, I just didn't know. And that experience actually became my new book, which comes out in March called The Flying Horse. It's about a girl named Sarah. <clears throat> That's my name. And <laughs> she struggles with reading and wants to be a writer. Wait a second. This sounds familiar. <laughs> and her horse trendsetter. Wait a second. That's the name of my horse. Okay. Spoiler alert. It's all about me. And <laughs> how they find each other. And trendsetter and Sarah fail at everything they do. And they have these parallel journeys, Sarah through New York City, where I grew up, trendsetter through the way stations of equine history in Europe, and they don't succeed. And they find each other and they help each other heal. And my message there is one I didn't get myself in school. It's a bit of like a wishful thinking, which is you don't have to be great at anything to be valuable to be important. You just have Mm. to be good. And they Mm -hmm. have been good all along. They were a good person and they were a good horse. And it's a little bit the message I didn't get. I was told I was stupid and I really overcame a lot. My disability, you know, is not remotely as severe as Sarah in the book, Um, but I struggled and I ended up a New York Times reporter who still can't spell. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So spoiler alert that I've already read the book, The Flying Mm -hmm. Horse. And I, um, I loved it, but it made me cry, which to me oh. is the sign of a good book. So if I cry <laughs> when I read a book, that means it's really good. I love that. It makes me cry. You know, it's, it's, I, I wanted to sort of throw back to the great horse book authors, Misty of Shingatig, you know, Marguerite Henry and create a world of gentleness. You know, so mm-hmm. much of my equestrian upbringing was not gentle. I had a trainer who now I look back and it was horse abuse. Um, and the approach to horses was as an animal to dominate. And that's not what happens in this book. And that's not the world that we want to have our children uh, bring up horses in. And there's a real security. I want a kid to get lost and feel safe in that book, just like horses made me feel growing up. Yeah. So when you, um, when you were writing your memoir, did you ever think you would write children's books also? Absolutely not. You know, I write fact, right? As a, right. a, a New York Times reporter, a, an investigative reporter, um, for which I was thrillingly um, a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize, what's most important is everything has to be true. And here was this opportunity um, to make fiction, to fan- to do fantasy, to not hew so closely to the world. And I, I had never thought about doing it. Um, a horse girl, an editor, Amy Novesky from Cameron Books, uh, slid into my DMs on Instagram after reading Horse Crazy. And she's like, have uh-huh. you thought about writing children's fiction? And I was like, no, but let's <laughs> do it. And so the books actually, because of my compulsion to study fact, are all true. So everything that happens in the book, every place all the characters go, those are real places. I really flew in the belly of a 747 with nine Dutch warm bloods importing them to America, which uh-huh. is how what gets its name, the flying horse. He doesn't have Uh wings. He flies in an airplane. And those are all fact. And Jen, I'd like to tell you about the next book, which comes out in the fall. Okay. That's called The Jockey and Her Horse. 
And that's based on the true story of the first ever female black jockey in America named Cheryl White. And it's co-written with her brother, Raymond. And she did it when she was 17. And she was a Venus and Serena Williams of her time. And Uh she's been erased really from history, which really follows the story of black equestrians who've been erased from American history, even though they were just as much a part of it as any other equestrian. And Cheryl's story is all true. However, I threaded in a fictional narrative in there to really explain that erased history. So I don't know if you know this, and I didn't know it, but thoroughbred racing owes all of the sport to black Americans. The way you did thoroughbred racing was you ran the horses you owned with the humans you owned on their backs. That was the earliest days of racing. People went to West Africa to purchase humans because of their equestrian skill and bring them back to be jockeys. Hmm. And it really hasn't had its moment in the sun with that. So my little girl, Cheryl, in the book, she was actually the real Cheryl was a math genius. And so my Hmm. Cheryl goes to a math Olympiad in Senegal, West Africa, where she learns that erased history. And so in the same way, the reader is learning along with Cheryl. So that's a true story, but it's fictionalized the journey. Right. Well, I can't wait to read that one. Thank you. Um, okay. So you're incredibly busy. You've had all these amazing experiences in your life. Can you pick a few of your experiences that stand out to you? Yeah, absolutely. I have had wild ones. And one of the best was meeting Marwari horses in Ah. India. So Marwaris are an indigenous Indian breed and they're big like thoroughbreds and fleet like them and hot like Arabians, very erect. And they have these curlicue ears at the top Mm -hmm. of their head that meet in a heart. And we all know everything curly is better, right? French fries, curly fries are way better than French fries. You know, (laughs) a pigtail is better than a ponytail. So these are just gorgeous horses with these Dr. Seuss ears on top. And after I galloped one through a marble ravine in Rajasthan, I was like, I have to get one of these. (laughs) But you can't get them. They cannot be exported. They're considered a a rare uh, national treasure, a rare precious resource. So they don't allow their export. But there's one lady in Martha's Vineyard who has a dozen of them. So of course, I had to meet her. I met her. She's a absolutely fabulous aristocratic lady. And she talks like this, darling. And (laughs) she has been uh, exporting a couple before they put the ban in 2011. Well, Jan, she has a two-year-old. And she has a three-year-old and she has a yearling. And you might wonder if they've been banned for upwards of 10 years, how is that possible? And that's because she doesn't believe in rules, darling. And she's (laughs) been smuggling Marwari semen in her pockets from India ever since. And building this herd in her island paradise. And if that's not horse crazy, I don't know what is. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. Mm. Um. That's really crazy. Yeah. One of the things I like about your horse crazy book is that you would just be doing something and stumble upon people or horses, and then they would have this amazing experience. You would have this amazing experience. Um, I'm not sure that happens to every equestrian, but uh, I think you're just lucky. (laughs) I don't know. It can. Uh, The amount of people who have shown unbelievable generosity, for example, instead of a bookstore book tour, I'm doing a Mm -hmm. barn to barn book tour. And uh-huh. I put on Facebook on some horse groups, you know, have me at your barn and I'll read horse books to you and we'll hang out in the paddocks. And 27 barns have responded and I'm going all over the East Coast and a little bit in California, uh, stable to stable. And I really think we're all bonded by a passion. And 
the more you ask, the more you give and the more you get. It's all we're all part of one herd. It's really exciting. Oh, I love that. That's really cool. I really like the uh, barn to barn tour. That's pretty cool. Um, and I'm accepting more visits. So people can slide into my DMs, Instagram, once upon a horse, and I'll come to your stables. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, so uh, I guess for you, what is the best? I think I know the answer, but what is the best thing about being a horse person? Hmm, you know the answer? What's your answer? Tell me. I think just all the experiences you've had where you've just met all these different people all around the world. Um, I mean, if you think about it, if you're like an accountant and that's your job and you're just sitting in an office all day, you're probably not meeting all these. And I'm, I'm probably going to get hate mail from accountants, but, um, <laughs> no. you know, you're not going to meet all these amazing accountants by just sitting in your office. But you, because, because as horse people, it's like anything. When we go to a horse show, you start talking to somebody and bam, you're become friends. They send you a pony. That's happened to me. I mean, all, uh-huh. you know, similar stuff where that happens. So, so you're, you're, you're right that horses have absolutely expanded and enriched my world. I've met yeah. incredible people. You know, the people that I imported horses from are now uh, flying to New York for my birthday. You know, it's just people of, around the world that I would have never thought to be friends with. Um, you know, that cavalry officer from India, um, the founder of the, the New York City Black Rodeo, a 98-year-old man by the name of Dr. Blair, who I used to work for. He's, he's coming to my book party. Like, uh-huh. yes, horses have expanded my world. But I have to tell you that it's the intimate conversations with just a horse that are my favorite part. Uh-huh. That okay. the, the permission they give us, the incredible grace to ride them, the, the, the power they lend us, the big liquid eyes that's those quiet conversations with nobody, but me and a horse are my favorite part. Oh, I love that. Yeah. When, when I had my horse farm, my daughter and I, our very favorite time of the day was night check at night, like at 10 or 11, oh, yeah, we'd go down to the barn because our barn was like right next to our house, go down to the barn and flip the lights on and they'd all be blinking their eyes and we'd give them hay and all the snuffling sounds. Yeah. That, that was oh. the best. You know, mine is when my big horse, I have a 17.3 KWPN uh, doing the AOs, and he weighs 1,563 pounds, I think it is. (laughs) I just had him weighed. Just can't believe how huge he is. And when he gets in a little ball and like a cat in his stall, and I walk in, he's a very opinionated horse, so he he makes a lot of noises. And I walk in, he goes, ugh, he doesn't want me to bother him when he's lying down. (laughs) But, But then he puts his head on my lap, and it's just the best. No. Oh, all right. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on our podcast um, and oh. for being on the cover of sidelines and uh, for, t- for going into the Dover saddlery and taking pictures and, t- and just for everything that you've done for um, horse people. And um, I'm really excited about your next children's book as well. Thank you so much. And I will add one thing that, you know, when you have the grace of horses in your life, it's really important to give back. And I'm on the advisory board of Gallup NYC, which is New York City's largest therapeutic riding organization. Mm-hmm. We do about 500 lessons a week for disabled New Yorkers in New York City, which you wouldn't believe. And that is just the grace of my life is being able to like steer whatever excitement and buzz around my book into doing good works. And you've been very kind to them and you always have therapeutic organizations in your magazine and I just love you for it. And thank uh-huh. you for putting me on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody needs to go read the March issue of sidelines. Um, you'll see Sarah on the cover 
in her beautiful dress with her Palomino and her dog. And then the story's mm-hmm. great. And there's even an ad in there for Gallup NYC. So you can even read about that as well. Great. All right. Well, thank you. I hope you have a great day and I can't wait to read the next book. Thank you. Really appreciate it. We've been bringing you behind the scenes looks at horse shows around the country. And today we're here with Philip Richter, chairman of the Lake Placid Horse Show Association. Uh, It's nice to talk to you, Philip. Thanks for having me. No problem. You know what? So many people absolutely love Lake Placid. What makes the Lake Placid such a great horse show and a great location? I mean, the real answer is it's it's a vacation and a horse show rolled into one. Mm. There, there's great homes to rent, great hotels to stay in. The restaurants are a lot of fun. There, there's great hiking. There's amazing fly fishing. The water skiing on the lake is fabulous. The cycling around the, the mountain areas. Um, it, there's, there's just so much to do other than be at the horse show. And it's fun being at the horse show too. So people can bring their families if if part of the family isn't, into being at the horse show all day. They can go out and do all kinds of outdoor activities. There's also usually hockey camps going on during the uh, shows. There's lacrosse camps going on up there. So there's, there's just tons and tons of, of activities that are outdoors. And obviously, I mean, the town itself is beautiful home of the 1980 winter Olympics uh, and the 1932 Olympics. A lot of pride of ownership in the local merchants and all the stores and hotels and just a great vibe, a lot of fun. And the town loves the horse show and horse show people. Oh, that's great. You know what? I'm always highly jealous when I see all my friends at the Lake Placid Horse Show and they're all on the lake. Yeah, I always want to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so well, come what, on up. <laughs> I know, I need to. What can people look forward to at the show this year? So we continue to try to make improvements every year to improve the experience for our customers uh, last year, we installed all new uh, electrical systems throughout the tents. You know, people are plugging in uh, refrigerators and and horse equipment and iPhones and and all these different equipment. And 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 that wasn't so in 1970 when the horse show started. Mm-hmm. And so we've upgraded all of that to be you know world class. Uh, we've been continuing to do footing upgrades all along the way. Uh, several years ago, we upgraded all the uh, non Grand Prix ring areas to all weather. We continue to reinvest in that and and maintain it. We spend a lot of time and money on the Grand Prix field on the off season. Last year, uh, I think our grass field was was the best it's ever performed. The roots have really taken deep, and it's it's been great footing. Uh, and you know, it it we we just continue to do as much as we can each year to keep people coming back and to keep improving the venue. Oh, that's great. So, what are the dates for this year's horse show? Uh, so it's the, we are always the last week of June and the first week of July over 4th of July holiday on um, the second week of the show. And uh, those have been our dates for decades. And for a lot of families that come and show and professionals, it's, it's the only 4th of July they know. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, for me, I've never really been anywhere else for 4th of July, but at Lake Placid my whole <laughs> life. Well, that's pretty cool. Well, it's a bit of special memories, though, to have that every year. Well, um, yeah. I just want to thank you for uh, visiting with Sidelines on our podcast today and uh, encourage all the riders out there to make sure they get set up to go to Lake Placid this year. Get your entries in soon. We're already uh, seeing a, a lot of interest. Oh, that's perfect. 
Andy Sue Roth is a 17-year-old para-dressage rider who had her right leg removed below the knee before she was two years old. She was named the 2022 USDF Grade 5 Para-Dressage Rider of the Year Reserve Champion, and she's working toward her goal to represent the U.S. at the Paralympics. Andy Sue, I just love your story in the March issue of Sidelines Magazine, and everyone needs to go and read it. Um, How... First of all, let's just talk about your earliest memories. So if people don't know, you have a prosthetic leg. What are your earliest memories of that? Um, my Well, my only memories, because I only remember having a prosthetic leg. Okay. Um, I remember scooting around in my house, and I had this cute little red scooter that I could sit down, and I would just push with my legs. <laughs> um, uh, and so I would just thud around, and we have... Uh, we had a two-story house at the time, and so everybody downstairs would hear me up really early just scooting around on my scooter because that was the <laughs> only way I could get around. Yeah. Because I was, I, I'm very small and have always been very small, and so I, a prosthetic wasn't working for me at the time, so I just scoot around on my little scooter uh, and be something all over the house. Uh, but yeah, no, that was fun. Yeah. yeah, that sounds fun. Well, um, and I bet those are were some really uh, cute and wonderful memories for your family. So we know that your parents have always been super supportive. What did they do when you were a kid to help you learn not to let anything hold you back? You know, what they did was that they didn't they didn't treat me differently than any other kid. They uh-huh. we went on hikes. Um, I've always been a very big dreamer, and so. Um, I would always be like, oh my gosh, I want to go on this big, big, big hike. And um, my dad would always go, all right, Andy, let's go do it. (laughs) Uh, And everybody would go. uh, Or we'd go fishing or, um, I don't know, I'd go climb trees. Um, And I would always, you know, mess up or fall or do something stupid. Uh, (laughs) And you know what? They would look at me and they wouldn't make a big deal about it. They'd ask if I was okay. We would take care of it. But I would get up. My mom would go, are you okay? And I'd say yes. And then we'd move on. And so I, I think that was a big, a big part of it where she didn't come running up to me like, oh my gosh, my sweet little baby girl, are you okay? Like, uh-huh. did you hurt something? Did she just, we kind of just went with it and we were like, okay, oh no, you got a little cut. We'll put a bandaid on it. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I think you're right. I think the way they handled it, um, probably made all the difference because you, you haven't let anything hold you back. In fact, you haven't let riding hold you back. Um, so, and I love this story in the magazine about how, um, uh, in, in sidelines in your story where you said that when you were little, your mom just put you on the buddy seat in the back of the horse and off you went. Yeah. 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 I'd always fall asleep too. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the way horses move always made me groggy. And so I would just sit there and then love the motion and look at the scenery. And then all of a sudden I'd be, passed out and my mom would be trying to hold me up while we finished our little trail ride. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. Well, um, when you are riding, do you use your prosthetic like your leg or, or do you have a different types of aids on the right side? 
I do use my prosthetic. I did not use, or, well, no, I used my prosthetic. Um, I, so when I was first learning how to ride, I rode without a saddle for the longest time. Uh, I want to say two or three years. Okay. Um, and because we were always worried that, um, my foot would get stuck in the fence cause it doesn't turn in. You can't put, point your toes forward. Uh-huh. Um, and also my ankle doesn't move. Uh, and so I just learned how to do it bareback, um, which was great for me. And it honestly has helped my riding. Oh, I bet. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a great seat. You have a great seat because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then I was like, I want to ride in a saddle and I want to go jump and I want to do all dressage. And, uh-huh. um, so I, I got together with my prosthetist and I said, this is what I want. How can we make this happen? Uh-huh. And she said, well, nothing like that has ever been made. Um, huh. but we can figure something out. Cause he was amazing. He was like, it's not been done, but, but let's, let's talk this through and like come up with out of the box situations where we can just make an ankle that goes up and down. We can turn a toe in. That's easy. Making it go up and down is a little bit harder. And so we took some of these like bumpers out of the foot. And so Uh then due to gravity, it goes up and down um, with like weight. uh, And it's great. And I've, honestly I still have it <laughs> uh-huh that's so awesome yeah wow yeah. wow i love that well i love that um you have just adapted very well so that's pretty cool so uh you did a lot of different kinds of riding but then now you're a dressage rider and what mm-hmm. is your favorite thing about dressage my favorite thing about dressage is well do it feel the feeling of these upper level movements and the power that the horse Mm. uh like the feeling of the power of a horse underneath you Mm -hmm. um and also i really like the fact that every horse i mean horses are animals right right and every horse has a different personality moves differently um etc every horse is different um but yet we all have the same goal in mind for a horse where we want them to do this movement and there's uh like you have to have the certain angle or like uh a certain amount of power to it right um or lift um and so but every horse is different so it's like you're trying to figure out a different way how to get that out of the horse so that they'll be able to um achieve that one movement that you're trying to do. Right. So, um, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so you have quite in the, in the, um, story and sidelines, you have quite a few different horses in the photos. Um, so who is your favorite horse right now? If that's even fair to ask, don't let the horses hear you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, honestly, I don't have a favorite horse and I know that's like the most boring thing ever. I don't have a favorite horse, but (laughs) it's true. Um, I love each and every one of them. And Aniko is 
awesome and fun because he knows everything. Uh, Lisa has trained him so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just teaches me how to do all of these different movements. Um, once I learn how to ask for them, uh-huh. uh, that's, that's the only hard part. Um, <laughs> and then I'm able to take what I learn on a Nico and bring it to my own horse, Blue, who doesn't know anything, but has the potential to know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really think that's, that's a great way how to, uh, how to master something is you learn, you hear it, right? You learn, uh, you do it and then you try to teach it. And so I've had the opportunity to do that, which has really helped me fully understand the concept of what I'm trying to ask a horse to do. Oh, that's great. Um, and that's great that you have, um, so many different horses that I love that, that you get to ride all these different styles of horses too. So in the horse world, what are your goals right now? I really want to go to, um, to Canada and hopefully, uh, the festival this year. Uh Um, those are my two major goals that I'm, I'm really trying to, to work on. Um, and hopefully it'll happen. Oh, great. I hope so too. So what would it mean for you to ride on the U S Paralympic team? Um, yeah, that, it would mean a lot to me. Um, I like everybody else uh-huh. had a dream of becoming an Olympian or a Paralympian. Right. Um, but you grow up and you see how hard it's like, how hard you have to work um, and how many hours it takes. And it, during like bad weather, you have to ride through it. You have to push right. through it. And I right. think that stops a lot of people. Um, but for me, I've always just loved horses. And so I, I go out there and I'm like, well, it, the weather's really bad, but we're going to ride and we're going to have <laughs> fun. Um, and so all of that work just motivates me to, to push forward um, and continue to try my best to do, to get the best out of my horse, to, to show our, our partnership, um, which has given me an avenue for me to show that my disability doesn't mean it's like a restriction on my dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, and so para riders have to overcome a lot of things that able-bodied riders um, do to be dedicated at the top of their sport. Right. Um, and paras have the extra complications um, to be that high of level. Right. Uh, and so by being a Paralympian, I could be part, be a part of showing uh, what I can do and not let anything um, stop me. I can be one of those people that uh, shows uh, others that there's nothing stopping them. Oh, I, I love really- that. And I think you're going to do it because I can already see that uh Nothing has, has stopped you yet. Now, also in the story, you talk about, in the story and sidelines, you talk about you want to have a career in construction management. Now, how did you become interested in that? Yeah, well, my neighbor, 
uh, my older neighbor, um, we just moved, so I'm, I'm still trying to get used to the whole uh, neighbor, different <laughs> neighbor thing. But um, he was an architect for the Twin Towers. Oh, wow. Which is so cool. Had so many cool stories. And I always loved listening to them. And then one day he said, you should come over and um, build a model boat with me. And um, I, he, I've seen all of his model boats. These are like one of the, he made model boats that you'd see in museums. They are beautiful. Wow. Um, tiny, tiny pieces. You had to have so much patience, uh, patient. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, let's do it. Like, that sounds fun. Uh, I have nothing else to do, so let's do that. Um, <laughs> and so we did that. It took forever, but when it was done, I I I really liked it, and I gave it to my grandpa as a present because he boats have always had a special place in his heart. Uh-huh. And so I was like, I think this should go to my grandpa. Um, but I loved that so much, and I. I get to see that boat every time I go visit my grandpa. It's sitting right in the middle of the living room so that everybody can see it. Uh, and that's that's really where my, my love for construction kind of um, sparks. Yeah. And I've always liked doing things outdoors and building things with my hands. And I've always been the person that likes to fix things, um, whether like anything. And so that I, yeah, that's how I found the that's a, That's a wonderful story and had a cool neighbor, huh? And, and so awesome that your grandpa has it and everybody gets to see it. I just love that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I wish you the best of luck in your career. Now I know that, um, you have had so many people in your life that have been, you know, part of your journey. Um, who has had the most impact on you in the horse world and in your life? Yeah. Um, my mom has had a lot of impact, especially in the beginning and, and throughout still, she's mm-hmm. always there, always helping. Um, and my trainer, Lisa Helmer has been a really big mentor in my life. Um, our, we have so much fun and she, she teaches and shows me all these different little tricks and, and how to go through all of this pressure. Uh-huh. Um, Cause it's, it's there. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely helpful having a good relationship with the trainer as well as my mom. Uh, right. I have, I love talking to your mom. She's really, she's a really neat lady. I love talking to her. Yeah, she is. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, I think it's really important to know that everybody has uh, something to offer in your life. Um, like those, I named two people, but honestly, everybody I've met has always taught me something. Um, and I just have to learn to listen and, and watch and just kind of see what they're trying to tell me because everybody's going to come to me for a reason and I I meet them for a reason and everybody has taught me something. You're always learning something every day. I love that. Well, Andy Sue, you are wise beyond your years and I think that's going to bode well for your future. I'm excited to watch it. I hope you make it to the Paralympics. Um, And I'd love to see you up there on that podium. So 
thank you for being in Sidelines and thank you for being on our podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Sidelines can be found at sidelinesmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the Sidelines Scoop and get every new issue in your email for free. Find the links to today's guests and the show notes at horseradionetwork.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. Thank you to our sponsors, Cavalli Club by Coro and Lake Placid Horse Shows. We'll see you on the sidelines.